It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Happy Monday, everyone. We're back on the FlowTrack Podcast. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. You can also find the show on YouTube. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. It was all about the young people this weekend, Gordon. All about the youth. Yeah, except for in football. It was the exact opposite. It was about the old man. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the Super Bowl? Did I, you watch it? I made a, yeah, I made a horrible parenting error. Let's just say that. Ooh. I... You know, you and I have had this conversation before. We're like, why are we so invested in our teams? It makes us not enjoy the games oh. and it puts us in a bad mood. Okay, my son's five. He's not old enough to really form strong allegiances, but he watched the conference championship games the, the week prior. He got re- He's like, who's the best team? I'm like, probably the Chiefs. So the whole week, that's all he was talking about. Mahomes, Mahomes, Mahomes. He do- his hair kind of looks like Mahomes. I mean, he doesn't have it shaved on the side, but but the top looks like Mahomes' hair. So that made him love him even more. So this was really the first game ever that he sat down for and really dug into. And it was demoralizing from start to finish. He doesn't quite understand the rules. And then when he realized, and I was warning him about it, you know, by halftime, I was like, hey, this isn't looking very good. <laughs> and then by halftime – uh, but by the third quarter, I was like, you know, they're, it's probably not going to work out for him. Uh, but he was still believing, even though he didn't quite understand what was going on. And then with about five minutes to go, he said, is it almost over? I said, yeah. And then he just burst into tears, just Ooh. uncontrollable crying. And I didn't know what I know to that do. <laughs> I know exactly. And I don't want him to become like me or like you. So what did I do, Gordon? <laughs> what did I do? Instead of saying, yeah, you know, that's it's too bad, but that's how sports are, move on. I sold him the hope of next year, which just is going to perpetuate the cycle. I said, hey, <laughs> there's always next year. Patrick Mahomes is real young. Do you want to watch all the Chiefs games next year? And then he got really excited <laughs> about watching the Chiefs games next year, which felt good in the mm. moment for me. And it was my bailout move. But now he's just going to turn into me. He's going to turn into you. He's just going to be – I don't know if it will be the Chiefs. Maybe it will be some other team. But he's just going to be the like a tortured sports fan. 
the rest of his yeah. life because of this, I think. I screwed up. He screwed up. It's okay. Yeah. Parenting's not easy, you know, but it's it's all right. Uh, I, I thought it was – what? Do you, how impressive do you think what Tom Brady did was? Because I think a lot of people are talking about, like, the greatest of all time. But, like, dude, seven – I, I did math. There's only been 55 Super Bowls. He's won almost 13% of all the Super Bowls that ever existed. Seven out of 55. I think that'll go down, though, in the future, though. And that'll go down in the future. Yeah, it'll go down Give in the future. Give it another 50 years, <laughs> and that number's going to drop pretty it's, It'll be 7%. Even if, even if it, in the 50 years, he'll have 7% of all titles. Uh, and he's 43. I hate the Patriots because I'm an Eagles fan, but I kind of liked Tom Brady because it was kind of like a digging at the Patriots. But what <laughs> what did your what were your thoughts on like the legacy of like cuz it's like a sports moment to see someone win 7 Super Bowls more than any other NFL team and he's doing it at mm-hmm. age 43. How did you react to that as like a sports uh feat? I was just trying just to get general. my son to stop crying to be honest. I mean I just that was the wrong I'm the wrong person to ask about that. I'm incredibly biased. I'm like you, I'm not a fan. I mean I laughed at the whole, like, now he's past Jordan because the number of championships he has is higher. I mean, are we that simplistic as a society that we're not able to say that these are two completely different endeavors? I mean, if Tampa Bay's defense was amazing in that game. Yeah, what they yeah. did to Patrick Mahomes was nothing short of sensational. So if you put you know, Brady on it, you know, he's one of 22. And Jordan is one of five. Joel Embiid is one of five who's out there. I'm just naming other greatest athletes yeah, of all yeah. time. That's why I brought Embiid there too for you. But, you know, like it's just not, you can't compare. I mean, look at how many Grand Slams Serena Williams has won or how many gold medals Michael Phelps or Carl Lewis won. It's just I, – I just – I think it's silly that we get into this. Clearly he's – clearly he he is uh, – uh, the best quarterback of most successful quarterback of all time. But like what I don't know, and I don't know enough about football. Like do football fans argue that like, if just Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady swapped position or swapped teams at the beginning of their careers, that the result would be any, that the, that, that Brady would have gone on to win all these titles and Aaron Rodgers would still only have one are there or Peyton Manning or whoever are people, do people make that argument in the NFL? I mean, yeah, there's always like maybe Brady just has it's definitely got lucky or whatever, but he's also gotten unlucky. He threw for over 500 yards and like a 30 touchdowns in a Super Bowl in 2018, but then it happened to run into Nick Foles of the Eagles and he just got smoked. <laughs> uh, but that's another story. I, I, but you talk about like, oh, like how like Serena's all of her Grand Slam titles and all that stuff. Well, I looked into it. How many times do you think Usain Bolt went to a a senior global outdoor championship and came back with an individual gold medal? How many times did Usain Bolt get at least one gold yeah. medal? Yeah, at least one. I so mean, like, so like in two thousand eight, he got one gold medal. So that's one. Yeah. So two thousand eight yeah, is so, one time. So oh seven, he didn't. Oh four, he didn't. And I'm a, and oh five, he didn't. And then, I mean, his last one, he didn't get a gold medal. So there was, that's one, four, oh, five, oh, seven, four times he didn't get a gold medal. No, no. How many times did he get one in his career? Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Oh, eight, oh, nine, 11, 12, 13, 15, 
17? 16. Oh, six, six, 16. Sorry. And then he didn't get any. Yeah, he didn't get one in, in 17. So seven times. Yeah. Seven. So. Okay. Are you doing numerology? Seven Super Bowls. Yeah. Seven, seven Super Bowls for Brady. Seven global championships for Usain Bolt. Okay. Oh, okay. There you go. Right. I mean, it's just – I just think it's an Apple's – I mean, clearly – Clearly, like he's the common denominator here. So he's doing something. I'm not saying it's not like he doesn't deserve any accolades or something, but it's just, it's like an apples to bananas to truck tires comparison when you start going across sports. That's why I just thought it was a little bit, a little bit silly yeah, when I was saying like, think- the, the Jordan stuff. It's like, but the thing is, I think some people want to kind of turn Tom Brady into Robert Horry, where Robert Horry just happened to always be on the Lakers or the Spurs. Ooh, and therefore he's like an all time <laughs> great, but he's not too? like, He's I'm not, missing out right? on this stuff. But like <laughs> people doing that? No, like, but like up. there is a little bit of yes, he had great defenses, but he also he rallied the troops. He's a rallier of the troops. I mean, everyone went to Tampa with him. They're like, screw it. Who cares about the pandemic? We're going to Florida and we're winning the title. Uh but <laughs> you know, I, I you know I, well, I was yeah. I just thought it was as impressive. I, was- I feel like we're never gonna see something like this again. That's my my only take. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Look, I'm not saying I'm a. I'm a hater, but I'm not that much of a hater to be to be that delusional. I I gained an appreciation for basketball though watching this, because there's no equivalent penalty to pass interference in basketball, and I think that that's a very good thing for a sport to have. There's no like completely game changing. Like you get a bad foul call, you, two shots, you you move on. You move forward, right? Because scoring is is abundant in, in basketball. I guess it's more equivalent to to soccer when someone gets a penalty kick or something and they're right in front of the right in front of the goal and can can score. I mean, it made me appreciate that. Like, it made me feel like basketball in a way is like less fluky. Um, even though like there's a lot of variance about you know, who shots go in on a on a nightly basis, but. I don't know. The, that end of the that end of the first half did not put me in a good mood, and that's when I knew it was pretty. Much, that's when I knew I started, should start bracing for the difficult conversation with my son. And, and one one last thing. So Brady did it at age forty three. Uh, one of our track and field colleagues, John Galt, tweeted out works at Let's Run about comparing it to Abdi Abdi's uh, age forty three making the Olympic team. Mm-hmm. What do you think is more impressive, Brady doing what he did at forty three in the NFL? Or making the Olympic marathon team at age forty-three. Abdi, Abdi, he's not even close. There's nobody out there with Abdi. I disagree. to lean on. Abdi couldn't have thrown three interceptions in the second half in the championship game against the Olympic <laughs> team. No, no, not close. Come on, come on, Gordon. Don't be a contrarian here. It's no, Abdi. it is that's insane. And the totality of Abdi's career too, when you add up. How many times he's come up in the clutch? And listen, you talked you talked about him a couple weeks ago when I said, "Why are all these old quarterbacks in the NFL? Why are they thriving?" And you said, "Oh, they're protecting the quarterback. They're protecting the quarterback." You know what they're not doing? They're not protecting the marathon runners. There's no reason why his body should still be holding up at 43. It's Abdi. It's not close. More impressive. I mean, it's definitely Brady, and it's also not close. You do realize. How fast Abdi ran the marathon in, right? He made the Olympic team. Yeah, but what, what was his marathon time? Oh, it was, he was 211 or something, wasn't he? 
Yeah, he was 211 and change. Okay, so he ran 211 and change. Where was let's, let's look it up. All right, 21134, mm-hmm. or uh, that was what he ran in 2019. That's the 378th fastest time in the world. Do you think there are 377 better NFL quarterbacks than Tom Brady? We'll never know because they don't play football in many parts of the world. So we'll just never know. That's an unanswered question. But you know what they do do all over the world? They run, Gordon. They lace up their shoes every morning. They put them on and they go for a run. Abby's not just competing against a small segment of the population. He's competing against everybody. And he gets it done. Get out of here with these 370 whatever. But who cares? He's a championship runner. He's Abdi Abdurrahman. He comes to play. He puts on his shoes and he gets out there and he makes teams. Dang it. If he's making the Kenyan team in the marathon, okay. If he's making the U.S. team in the hundred meter dash, okay. If he's doing, yeah, I, I would say what Justin, oh, <laughs> bring up Justin Gatlin, comparing him to Abia, it's a faux pas. But like, I just think that we have to recognize it's a lot easier to make the U.S. men's Olympic marathon team than it is to make certain other teams than it is to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Do you, what? Oh, here's the question: What do you think is harder? Making an Olympic team, making an Olympic team, or leading a football NFL football team to a playoff. So having like a winning season in the NFL as a starting. You realize you realize that there's been quarterbacks who have won Super Bowls, and I'm not going to name any teams or any franchises who aren't necessarily (laughs) the greatest of all time. There are other players on the team. You realize that, right? No, yeah, I, I understand that, but there's something. Yes, a, you could have a a fluke like an Aaron Rodgers. You could have a fluke like like uh, Russell Wilson. <laughs> the, but then you have the ones that uh, they prove it, like a Nick Foles or Tom Brady or uh, Peyton Manning, Trent Dilfer. Uh, um, yeah, Trent Dilfer. <laughs> no, but like, I mean, every, every four years we someone gets to make an Olympic team. I mean, mm-hmm. and people make it because of a random DQ or whatever. Uh, but I don't know. I just think that seven times is impressive. Quarterback's most important position in any sport. It's not a bold take. It's not a bold take there. I, I understand. I'm all I'm saying is you can have people win. Not now I'm not talking about Brady specifically, but you can have people win a Super Bowl, right? Because they were in the right circumstance. Just as yeah. in, in, in a lot of team sports, right? Is is Charles Barkley or John Patrick Stockton's Ewing. career, yeah. Patrick Ewing's career, not as good as some of these other guys who won titles because of the circumstances? No, I mean they're not they're not better players because of it. They were just in the wrong spot. It's almost like saying, let's just let's just dive in on the weird comparisons. It's almost like you know Chris Zielinski never made an Olympic team, right? Because of the because of circumstances, but he also was running for a country that's fairly competitive. I mean, is his career less distinguished than somebody who ran forty seconds slower but made the Olympic team because they didn't have any good five thousand or ten thousand meter runners in their country? No, I would argue, I would argue not. But it's just such an easy argument for people to make. Like I said at the top of just like counting, it's like Jordan has six, Brady has seven, ergo Brady seven is bigger than six. That's that's it. No, that's not. Come on. We can do better than that. We can think critically about this. Well, the difference is there are a lot of NBA franchises who have more than six titles as a team. The fact that only 
there's not even an NFL team that has seven. I think that is something very well. Yeah, and if the yeah, and people have already of, people have already established that he's the best that they, that he's the greatest football player of all time. I'm just saying when you cross into other sports, it just becomes yeah, yeah. really, especially individual sports, because it's the physical toll that it takes on your body year after year. You can't use it you can't hide behind a defense or get bailed out because of a defense or because of yeah, yeah. special teams or because you have a really good center that year or anything like that like it's you like you either can do it or you can't and and there's no way around it in any event that was 20 minutes let's talk football. about the young kids talk about yeah the young kids. let's talk about the youth let's talk about let's talk about a name that neither of us were that familiar with going into this weekend Hobbs kessler who broke the high school record in the indoor mile at the atl meet on Sunday, ran 357.66, finished third in the race, though. Gordon, this was uh, this was a shock. I saw it on social media, and I said, wait, was there a high school kid that I should have been keeping tabs on for breaking four this winter? And then it turns out nobody really knew about him. He was flying under the radar. Yeah, so his PR was a 1600. That was a 421 1600. That's like, wow, 421 to 357? What the hell? And then you kind of read into the tea leaves. Uh, Nick Willis said that he uh, did a time trial at 408 uh, over the summer. But then he also said that the 408 could have probably been more of a 404 if he would have ran in lane one or something like that. Mm -hmm. So he definitely had improved on his 420. He wasn't a 420 miler when he stepped on that starting line, uh, clearly, because he ran 357. Uh, but yeah, people reacted Crazily, I have a couple of I had a couple of text message threads with some of the mile split guys and some other people about the reaction to this performance. I mean, he broke Drew Hunter's national record, and it's like people when you think of Drew Hunter in the high school scene, you think of like one of the all time greats. And how can a a four twenty miler, according to his last run, right, be all of a sudden breaking a all time greats mark? What was your reaction of the? Uh, the the surprise of it, and like yeah. how big of a deal it was to to you. How big of a deal do you think it was to you? Well, sub four high school boys miles are becoming commonplace now, so I don't get as excited as I used to when I see a three fifty nine. He's the twelfth one to do it, but he's the seventh one since twenty fifteen. But there's a big difference between running. 359 on an outdoor track and then running 357 indoors and moving all the way up the list to be behind only Alan Webb and Jim Ryan. That's elite company to me. That's different than just your garden variety sub four. So that's why I think this is different than some of the other ones. Then you add in the fact that he's been under the radar for so long. I he's a avid rock climber, apparently. This isn't a kid who's been breaking records every year uh in youth track. I mean, this to me screams this guy's gonna be he's gonna be good at the next level because he's not somebody who's gonna peak their sophomore or junior year of high school, and then that's it. Apparently, he's going to NAU, which I mean it's about time NAU had a break in recruiting, so I feel okay <laughs> for them. I mean, they needed a little more talent there. Uh, so maybe they'll be able to put out a respectable squad. But to me, Gordon, this is this is different. Like just uh, a 359 high and a 357, I know it's only a matter of a couple seconds, but when you get to that level, 
those seconds matter a whole heck of a lot. And when you're able to leapfrog over a whole bunch of guys, some of who did not pan out, right? And that's why this, that's when this, this thing started to become, sub four was never uh, a guarantee, but with those first few guys who did it, the Jim Ryans, the Allen Webbs, the Marty LaCoris, they went on to this great success. So you thought, okay, sub four, it's automatic. They're going to be great. We've seen that that's not necessarily the case with some of these kids who've broken it in, in 2015 and on. But when you're up there, you pass Drew Hunter and you're only behind Ryan and Webb, that's a different, that's a different conversation to me. So I think this, this is a significant high school sub four. This is what I thought about it. Now, stay with me here, okay? Stay with me. You're going to talk about Tom Brady again? No, 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 no. I don't even like Tom Brady for the record. I'm a huge Eagles fan. I was just, I'd like the contrariness of ha ha ha. Anyway. Um, hey, you showed him. Yeah, I did. I showed him. <laughs> I think that this performance, now stay with me, is a result of the pandemic. I think that for many years, I think also the reason why we're seeing sub fours is also a result of this take I'm about to say. I think a lot of times, okay, let's just look at, look at an example. Jacob Ingebrigtsen. Yeah. He, at age, what, 17, was it? Or 16? When did he break his four? I mean, he's, at age 19, he was running 350 miles, right? Age 19, yeah, yeah, he was running yeah. 350. Age 18, he was probably running 355. And what is different about him than the run-of-the-mill top elite high school mid-distance runner. Now, one, he has, you know, talent, but I feel like the biggest difference is that his environment is centered around becoming an elite runner. And it, it, the environment is centered around becoming an elite runner at a young age. He's not in the environment of trying to peak for Foot Locker or trying to peak for uh, New Balance Nationals or trying yeah. to be on a relay team for the dual meet on a Tuesday or just like all these things that are part of the high school world. And he's not being coached. Jacob Ingebrigtsen is not being coached by the gym teacher, right? <laughs> the gym teacher isn't like say, all right, go. They don't tell yeah. Jacob to go run like 10 miles. and be like, all right, see how you do, you know? Yeah. And I think we kind of are holding back some of our top, high school talents not because it's not a bad thing it's good you're a kid be a high school kid you don't mm -hmm. need to live the life of jacob ingebrigtsen but i think because of the pandemic it took out the 2020 outdoor season for hops mm -hmm. right yeah yeah it took out the expectation of trying to do the go-to high school uh race order system just like peaking for these type of meets it it took away trying to be the best based on the competition around you, you know, because a lot of mm -hmm. times you, you never really, I mean, now because of the internet, people want to be as the best in the nation, but before the internet, people were just trying to be the best in the County. So you didn't push yourself mm -hmm. as hard. So the fact that he didn't have the high school system stunting his growth. And then also he wasn't being coached by just a run in the mill, random high school track coach. He was being coached by basically Ron Warhorse and Nick Willis. He was basically put under the wing 
of a professional athlete who's been doing it for 20 years. He basically got the Jacob Ingebrigtsen treatment for an entire year, maybe more. I'm not sure when it, when it started, but throwing that he had like he's has genetics and he's fit and he chose to be dedicated to it, plus the influence of a Nick Willis style training, plus mm-hmm. the no distraction of a high school style meets, you get this type of result. And I think we would get more of these type of results if more athletes I, I guarantee you if you took Grant Fisher and he wasn't playing soccer and he wasn't trying to run footlocker or, or new balance indoors and all this stuff and gave him a 18 months under Nick Willis, Grant Fisher would have ran 357. And I think Drew Hunter maybe even run even faster. I just think that we are seeing the result of when you train a young elite athlete the right way with the zero distractions. And this well, is the result of it. I think it works different for different people, right? Obviously, Hunter True. had his method and it was successful. And some people like the Foot Locker, NXN, New Balance structure. Some people, a lot of elite runners scale down their race in high school, right? Their coaches are very cautious about how they run. But I have to admit that take was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I was, you're bracing me for, for something really stupid. Um, and that, that wasn't, that wasn't terrible, but I think you're, yes. Uh, for him, it certainly worked. I know I, I read that his dad coaches the program there at the high school, but like his dad didn't want to be his coach too. So that's where Warhorst uh, took over and having Nick Willis as a model. You're right. A lot of parallels there to probably Jacob Ingebrigtsen having his older brothers, as his model too, to key off of and, and understand uh, how to race at a high level, how to train at a high level. Do you agree with me that this one is a bit different just if you, from a time perspective, like it's different when someone breaks Drew Hunter's record versus someone running a 359.99 in a setup meet outdoors? No, because I think a lot of those 359.99 people probably could have been potentially you know, 357s, if they had an entire high school season taken away that from them, if they had Nick Willis coaching them, I feel like that extra 2.6 seconds faster that – Well, we uh, saw that last year with Hobbs Doshbach. Kessler Doshbach ran. did that. Doshbach had his season taken from him. He ran 359. Yeah, taking them at the last minute. This guy had like a whole like year like, all right, I know I'm not getting this. Like, it's a little different. And I, I mean, I did some math. Also, like seven. Did you find I, I number just, seven in there? I found this. So, here, check this out. Okay, this is the number of teenagers who have broken four in a calendar year. So, 2019, seven. 2018, ten. 2017, seven. 16, seven. 15, eight. 14, three. Oh, 13, US? seven. 12, nine. No, in in the world, most of them are U.S. Though. And a lot of these teenagers are breaking either in high school because we had a, a influx, or they're doing it freshman year as college because they're nineteen. I said teenagers because they're nineteen and they just do it the first year out of co- in college. And I think a lot of that happens because they're putting into a, like a pro training environment. Being in college, Andy Powell is going to take you and be like, "Hey, you're going to." And well, all of a sudden, Chris Culpepper too. is nineteen and he's yeah. running sub four, and he literally did that a week ago, right? Yeah, I think. Uh, I think 
three fifty. I think the new breaking four should be like three fifty five because I think the number yeah. of people who can run three fifty seven in the in the world is different now than it was 10, 20 years ago. And I think <laughs> that this result is more the result of just society getting faster and people just trending towards better and better society, as opposed man. to him becoming an outlier and running away from the pack. I think he's just in front of a pack that has already moved forward. That's that's what I think. Okay, but he's still in front. But he's still in front. I think yeah. the combination of the combination of his training setup, the combination of that he doesn't he doesn't you're talking about a professional environment here, but he's also a kid who from reading Nick Willis's tweets is just like very balanced, right? He's not hasn't been all in on running for the last ten years of his life. That bodes well. Where is he gonna go to college? at this little known program in, in, in a mountain town somewhere in, in Arizona, that's going to be good for him. And he's, you know, when you're starting from 357 versus 359, I think that does make, that does make a difference at this level. You're right though. I mean, Alan Webb ran 353. Let's not forget that. Alan Webb <laughs> smashed the high school record and ran a time that made him competitive on an international level immediately. 357 is not there yet, but all these others, I think all these signs point to, him having uh, the ability to improve on that greatly. Whereas you look at the, some of these other names on the list, right? That was basically the highlight of their career for a lot of these guys was breaking four in high school. Yeah. Some of these recent sub four guys, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, again, it's definitely an incredible story and situation for this Kessler kid to come out. We didn't know who he was. And I think most people mm -hmm. were like, wait a minute. It's not like he was out there running like a bunch of four Oh fives and, 409s and then it's had in a 402 and then all of a sudden this is the moment right it's just like boom and i just yeah. think it's a result of the environment which is great and i think more if more athletes get in this environment we can push the u.s running scene into the next generation of like hey now now we can normalize running 357 and now try to make it hey we're pushing for low 350s now yeah, I think the anonymity that he enjoyed was a result, I agree with you, of the pandemic Ooh. because he didn't have an outdoor season. I think that is true. Maybe that helped because the expectations weren't there and he was able just to relax and run. I think that I think that part is is true. I guess we'll have to see more about how he progresses in his next couple races to see is this just a um, – you're right. Is this a trend? Are there going to be – because now everybody's going to be chasing him, right? And if there are – spring all-star track meets outdoors he's gonna have a lot of the spotlight on him and are other people gonna follow um but i don't know i think it's like when i was watching him race i just I, it it looked a little bit different to me than some of these other some of these other recent sub fours but he's young you probably had your eye on the first place runner in that race though because there were team point implications <laughs> for the ncaa nobody's talking about Taki Hadeli, the the pride of Texas Tech, there getting the dub in three fifty six. Yeah, well, I mean, he's running the eight hundred. Doesn't really mean anything. So, you sure? Sorry. You sure he's not doubling? You sure he's not doubling? Um, no, he's not doing eight mile double. Nah, Texas uh, Tech is. I saw your. I, I saw was it Elliot Kipsang too for Alabama ran a fast mile this weekend as well too. It's, the mile could be. 
Well, if they all run, the mile could be good. Apparently, I'm hearing uh, mm. some of these college kids have a new pair of shoes that we should start thinking about. The the no, basically not, not, no, that's what I'm hearing. I mean, I have a friend who's an Alabama alum, and his first reaction is like, he breaks a the 40, 20 year old record. It's got to be the shoes. So. Yeah, but look, we can't we can't just say, hey, you just said. 355 for high school is the new sub four. And I don't think you're referring to shoes with that. You're just no, basically no. saying the bar should be standard. lowered because yeah. – huh? yeah, okay, because in our head we've we've convinced ourselves that 359 is just the elite of the elite. And we've talked about this before. And Lincoln, when he was on the show, we talked about this before. It's equivalent, if you look at the scoring tables, to like 46 and change for the 400. Yeah. We don't lose our mind every single time a high school kid runs 46. Otherwise, we'd be in a – perpetual state of 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 screaming i mean what is it what's the equivalent to the in, in the hundred ten two ten three i mean yeah. i know before people are saying well it's like a sub 10 no it's not it's no, nowhere it's close not. to a sub 10 it's not in the same ballpark sub 10 gets you into world championship and olympic finals the sub four won't even get you to ncaa final so so for gets you like into we need the a final of the 5k because you ran at the last four laps of a 5k yeah. <laughs> exactly 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 so I, I i just think everybody's viewpoint around and m- myself included and that's why i'm usually pretty cautious on these things is that this this sub you know 359 connotes elite status but it's it, that the world has changed we're not at that point still um also at that meet ronnie baker got the win over trayvon bromel 653 to 658 that was that was a bit of a surprise to me just because of how fast bromel ran in the opener it makes that u.s sprint team that u.s hunter team i guess you'd probably say hey baker's baker's back baker's ready to run fast you put him on there with with lyles and and, and bromel is the three favorites right now for the for the u.s hunter team well, we got, maybe sliding we Gatlin back yeah we don't know i want to see him run though i want to see him run yeah. um 800 in that meet uh another another High schooler Sophia Goriarin, 202.44. She's a high school sophomore. She got second. She finished in between Adele Tracy and Nikki Hiltz. But let's go back to the college side of things. Yes. Go back to the I have a question. Yeah. 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 A thing, yeah, though, right? Yeah. 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 A thing, though. Hit me. 50.52 world junior mm-hmm. record, right? Was it a world junior record? Yes. Beat Sydney's time. Yep. What is a thing move? Is she or who is? Is she a 400 meter runner or 800 meter runner? Who am I? She is, she's the rare 400 800 combo. You just don't see this anymore. This is pretty remarkable what she's doing. What would I put her in at the NCAA meet? I would put her in the 800. What does she have the better chance at qualifying in for the Olympics? I'd say the 800. Hear me out. I want to double, a, though. Would there be a part of you who thinks, hey, run the 400? Because if you get eighth in the 400, you're going to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you get fourth in the 800, you're not going to the Olympics. The reason why it's eighth is because they take the top six for the relay pool and then the next two for the, the mixed relay pool. So you just have to make the 400 final. And you are going to the Olympics, whereas the 800, you have to make top three. 
so being so young and like a long career ahead of you, there'll be other 800 teams for you to make. Maybe this is your chance. Like, Hey, let's make a, let's make, let's go to the Olympics and let's, let's just do that first. And then Mm -hmm. worry about everything else after. I think she should drop the eight and just go all in on the four and make her first Olympic team. That's what I think she should do. The, the 400, I just looked up the schedule at the Olympic trials, the 400 for the women come first and then she would have ample time off before the 800 so she could do both there is no overlapping what about for the ncaa season though i mean she ran the Um, number four time in collegiate history it's hard to say no to an event where you're the fourth fastest in history fourth fastest american performance in history as well too i i think I think she'll probably end up doing the eight because I think the eight four by four. I I don't know. I I feel like the four hundred. A lot of weird things can happen, right? You have you 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 missed a two hundred meter break, and all of a sudden, like you could have like a false like you could like get out of rhythm and then yeah yeah. yeah, indoors. You could just the rhythm is key for a four hundred. I feel like there's a lot more chaos that could happen in a four hundred than in a 800 because think about in the 400 you're gonna go up against the three other fastest in the country so you have to make sure you're Mm -hmm. the fastest in the 200 of that group and if you're not like it's the best situation for her would be what she had this past weekend where she knew she could be by herself by the time she got to the break so i think it makes more sense for her to run the eight and then the four by four and I think okay. they probably have another. I think got second in the race was a Texas A&M girl. They don't have anyone else who's sniffing points in the 800. You get the 10 points in the eight. Let the other 400 meter runners try to snag some points in the 400, and then move on. So I think maximizing points, she should run the eight. When it comes to outdoors, though, your discussion about strategy made me think that the 400 also might be a good pick to run. Because you get to a high-pressure environment like the trials with a lot of experienced runners like Ajay Wilson and Raven Rogers, and we've seen it time and time again. Sometimes the better, the faster runners don't advance, whereas you get in the the quarter, it's just your lane. I mean, it's still obviously hard, and the pressure will be immense, but it takes out one dynamic that you have to deal with, which for her at that young age might be might be helpful. Hey, I'm just run, I don't need to worry about who's where. I'd run my race and hopefully make this Olympic team. So I can see that. I mean, you're running 50 point indoors. It's like, you I mean, can she run, split, you can run, you can run she sub split 50, 50 outdoors. flat. She split 50 flat in a four by four indoors. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I don't, I mean, we know the 400 for the women is wide open this year and we know the 800 is a little bit, a little bit harder to make, but if she has 50 flat speed in the 400, that's pretty good. That's pretty helpful in the 800. Um, here's okay. You want me to go even farther here? Let's take this a step Do farther. It. Let's go to the actual Olympics themselves. Globally right now, easier to medal in the 800 than it is the 400, especially if Miller Weibo and Nasser run the, the quarter. So if you're looking that far down the line, if she could be, if she could be one of the best in the United States, 
in the 800, she's going to be one of the best in the world because we saw, you know, Ajay Wilson and Raven Rogers were right there in, in Doha last year. And there hasn't been anybody to pop up. Now that requires a significant drop in time down to the, the 156 range, but that's possible. I mean, if you're running 50 point in a 400 and we've seen her run the 201 and the 800, just, just this indoor season, dropping some time seems possible once she gets outdoors. Yeah, I just think it's wild that this literally is a repeat of 2016 with a Texas A&M half mile. Yeah, yeah. Right? And Donovan went on the break to collegiate record. And then because of of his youth and inexperience at the pro level, just kind of had a brain fart in that, that first round of the eight and didn't make it. And then he goes on to be one of the greatest 800-meter runners in U.S. history and can potentially become one of the best in the world. Uh, you could argue she that – She has more experience. That, she does She's already run U.S. championships. That's She's true. run against quality competition. With Brazier, everything seems so new. Yeah. But it's just interesting how it's like an Olympic year, freshman, Texas A&M. Here we go, right? Uh, mm. I, I, I think crazy things happen in the eight. I think crazy things do not happen really in the four because you're in your own lane. If you have the talent, you will advance. And I think she could get top eight. And if you're top eight, you're an Olympian, which is pretty cool to mm-hmm. say as a teenager. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. No, that's that's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, I think, yeah, it just depends what she wants out of it. I, w- I would think she'd run both. I mean, she ran – she's going to be – coming off a college season, but racing opportunities aren't as bountiful as they, they used to be. I think she'll have enough in her legs by then. Uh, again, a whole different ballgame when you add in rounds. We'll see. Okay, uh, before we do a preview, let's talk about the prickly pear invite. Gordon, the, the Bowerman meet with the 3,000s and some 800s as well, too. Who uh, Who's the big winner? If you had to anoint a a winner from this meet, who was it? It's got to be uh, Colin Quigley getting the lean over Carisha Schweizer, <laughs> ex-teammate. <laughs> Two one-hundredths right? of a second there for second. Two one-hundredths yeah. a second. She really wanted that second-place finish. You're, you normally want to lean for a second-place finish, but I feel like she felt like she wanted to do something to be like, hey, there you go. Top American I like Bauer, former Bowerman <laughs> athlete. <laughs> yeah, G- GDS uh, – Won that race, 838. She looked pretty good. Going in, I thought she might be. I think her and well, her and Schweizer and and Houlihan are the best in that group at that, you know, three thousand meter distance. Um men's side of things, Mark Scott. Mark Scott's been running well, Gordon. 736. And Fisher and McGordy have been running really well too. They were there at 737. Klecker was a couple seconds back in 39. And then Morgan McDonald. 741. A little NCAA redux there with uh, Fisher, Klecker, and McDonald. Now they're all in in pro uniforms. But uh, yeah, Scott's been Scott's been really solid. Um, they're racing again in a couple weeks. With Bowerman, it's like, hey, is this race going to be a ho-hum race? Or is it going to be an earth-shattering event that we're going to talk about for a month? And you never know until they do it. And over the summer, there were a lot of earth-shattering events. This was a little more straightforward. Yeah. Gotta love it when they would rather just, you know, 
run a random meet in the middle of nowhere with zero heads up for the people around to it's really good for our sport when it's just no one's talking yeah, it's hey maybe why did they go run i mean why did they go to atl and run that 3k run a 3k at that meet you know it's just they're making they're taking yeah. your advice you're taking your advice just run outdoors don't yeah don't mess with indoors right now because there's no i do want to i one, one more thing on college scene my prediction of the certain athlete making the Olympic team in a 200 was looking good. Abby Steiner just ran another faster 200 indoors from Kentucky. She ran 22.69. Keep an eye on this. Is Abby Steiner, 2021 national Olympic. leader. Yeah, national lead. Kentucky. Okay. Former soccer player. All right. Okay. So, oh, yeah. One, Sorry, I just uh, wanted to get that in. No, I was just to say the the race we didn't mention, Bowerman Sinclair Johnson ran 201. Uh, Purrier was right behind in in two hundred two. Danny Jones was, or sorry, Danny Jones was fifth. Heather McLean was third. Corey McGee was fourth. Uh, Ephraimson was back there in seventh. There was not really many. I thought there'd be more to talk about with that meet. Like entering this weekend, I thought we would be talking way more about that than we were about the ATL meet. But I was incorrect. Track is. I mean, let's just be honest. What it was, it was just it wasn't a real time trial. Was, yeah, not even a time trial. Run. It was just like a workout thing that happened to have a clock on this track. So I'm, it's hard to. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna get fake excited about a fake meet. Well, that's what it was. It was a fake meet. Well, I know, but they've run fast in fake meets before too, though. They have, right? But if they're not gonna run and fast, this in had fake more meet, competition. This had more competition not, than the previous yeah. fake meets. But if the result of a fake meet is an mm. a, a professionally paid distance runner running 149 in the 800 i'm i'm just not going to comment on it i mean i'm coming on it by now but like it's just come on are we really gonna spend time talking about josh thompson running 149 i mean well, we did we didn't talk about that race now you yeah. are I, yeah i know i, right? I wasn't gonna talk it wasn't a highlight performance of the four races that one was the least significant i don't think anybody's gonna argue with you on that one i don't know it's just good to say as taylor werner's pro debut for Puma, Emily Enfeld ran for the first time. You know, at least Cranny still is solid. Yeah, eight forty. She's right there with that lead. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, it. let's talk about tomorrow. Tomorrow, World Indoor Tour in Leven, France, live on Flow Track in U.S., Canada, and Australia. We got some strong start lists here: Gordon Grant Holloway in the sixty meter hurdles, Jacob Ingebrigtsen and Samuel Tafera in the men's fifteen hundred, Monte Duplantis in the pole vault. Gemma Riki and Keely Hodgkinson in the 800, Laura Mir in the 1500, and Safan Hassan versus Beatrice Chipkowicz in the 3000. I got some questions for you. Will Grant Holloway break the world record in the 60 meter hurdles? What's the world record? The world record is 7.30. He's run 7.35. And he ran 3.5 this year already. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I think he will. In this meet? In this meet. Okay. I mean, I, there's a good chance I'm wrong. The high likely chance. But I was talking to his coach a few weeks ago, and he said, we have a plan for indoor. I was like, what are you running? He's like, we have a plan. And, I, and I'm like, <laughs> who has a freaking plan for indoor right now when there's 
an Olympic year and there's no world indoors, there's no USAs, and they have a plan for indoor. And I think that plan is to go after the world record. So he didn't tell you and the plan. You're just guessing the plan. He didn't tell me. He just said we have no. a plan. I, I think he's. I think, and I think if he's in a situation where he felt like, hey, I'm fit, and he clearly just ran 7:35 as his rust buster. Mm-hmm. I think he's eyeing to run 7:29. Mm-hmm. And hey, he got on a plane all the way to go to France. Let's do it. He's yeah. He clearly yeah. is going there for a reason. I think. Uh, he chose not to do it again, not to stay back for the ATL meet. He probably got a little bit of a payday too for going, get a little appearance fee. But let, let's give, let's let's make it happen. Why not? Okay. I he's gonna get I it. think there's some big names in this race too. So aside from the time, I think it's also just racking up wins against these guys who are going to be your competition on the Diamond League circuit. And if he makes it to the Olympics too, because la- we forget about 2019 because he ended up winning the World Championships. But his his European stint was shaky before Doha, yeah. and he did not he did not come into that race as the clear favorite as the Grant Holloway who won the NCAA outdoor title. He had suffered some losses between those two races and run some by his standards mediocre times. So I I think this season and the beginning part of 2021 in general for him is is in addition to running fast, it's just about being consistent and getting wins over these big names. I'm excited for this this women's eight with Gemma Riki. She ran 157 indoors last year, Gordon. And then you have Keely Hodgkinson, 18 years of age. We haven't really talked about her. She's from Great Britain. Talk about a thing. Mo, an American 800-meter runner, running fast in her teens. But Keely Hodgkinson ran 159 this year in the 800. So that'll be a that'll be an awesome one. And Ingerbritson going against the world record holder, Samuel Tefera, in the 1500. All live on flow. Great track is back. Just making this an ad. We want we want analysis. Don't just make it an ad. Come on, tell me tell me something well, to watch. Mondo. I mean, you could see Mondo world record because any record or any meet is a Mondo world record meet. You could see a Grant Holloway world record. I mean, the world record holder is running in the fifteen hundred against Jacob Ingebrigtsen, who is capable of running extremely fast. I mean, you're going to see some fast times here. I think. I think. I think. I think so too. I'm sorry. I, I'm not. I'm not really prepared for uh, my deep thoughts on a race that hasn't happened yet. Of uh, for athletes who are really all just debuting, right? None of these guys have yeah. run yet, so it's just hard to like. There's there's no a couple da- have. Da- there's no data points to like kind of react to. Like it's not like hey, oh yeah, the season they ran this, this, and this, and now they're gonna run this. Mm-hmm. Here we're like, they were good in 2019. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, but yeah, Hassan I mean, was pretty good last year. Hassan too. will be interesting I, to watch. Ingebrigtsen will be interesting to watch. I agree. I think the one I'm more, most forward to is Grant Holloway because I think he is there with a plan per what the coach said. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Maybe other people don't have plans, and that's the secret here. I just, this is interesting too from the perspective of we didn't think indoor would amount to much this year, and we didn't think U.S participation in indoors would amount to much this year. And there's some, there's some of the best people in the world are, are showing up to this meet. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So that's tomorrow from France. Again, you can watch it on the site. We'll recap it all on Wednesday. It fits perfectly in our podcasting schedule. Appreciate them doing that. 
with that Tuesday meet. <laughs> that's that's perfect timing. Uh, there has to be a result that I didn't catch on to over the weekend that you want to talk about. A result that you didn't catch on to? I mean, there had to have um, been some person running a 600 that you think equates to a 141-800 or something somewhere. I mean, you, you, get, you had Abby, Abby Steiner, which I mentioned. Yeah. That's, that's very impressive. Um, no, I mean, it was kind of a, I mean, if we're being honest, it was kind of a quiet uh, weekend. I mean, Amon Kemboy, who we think is someone who can be in the mix to battle in the cross-country scene, but he does put a lot of focus on indoor. He only ran a 7.52 3K. So it wasn't mm-hmm. anything too fancy. I did spend Mercy Chilanga, a girl Mercy Chilanga. She ran 902. Mercy! Number two at the NCAA. Let's go. And our teammate from Alabama, Amarius Anisma, ran 903. Dude, Alabama's got got some got a good squad. Uh, anyway, double. Yeah, why not? She gonna win the she gonna win the meet for Alabama? Let's do it. Three K, five K, double. <laughs> Watch out, Lauren Gregory. Um, this past weekend, I finalized the new and improved oh, cross-country rankings algorithm. Are they up? They're, They're not up. up. They'll go up tonight or tomorrow or Wednesday. But we're going to rank all <laughs> top the top like 300 individuals. Uh, we're going to have the rankings of the teams. And we are going to debut for the first time ever. Normally, how, you know how we always do the Colas calculator? Where we say here's yeah. the teams who make the meet. Well, we don't have that this year because there's no regionals. Mm-hmm. So instead, we're introducing a new algorithm called the Exitology, a playoff of bracketology, to yeah. find out who we think should be the top 31 teams. Because this is a weird year. It's a year where there's just basically a committee picking the 31 teams that go to nationals mm-hmm. based off of a resume that could be one result. Or like five results, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I have a big board where I kind of look at the different conferences because you basically they say conference championships results are the most heavily weighted result. Mm-hmm. But I know that the winner of the Southland mm-hmm. Conference is not getting in over the winner of the Pac-12 Conference. Even if they both just had one race, they're going to take the Pac-12 champion. And so I have a little algorithm I'm putting together to kind of weight the conferences. I have certain we're gonna release like locks. Like we already I already know of like nine locks on both the men's and women's side of teams that are going to nationals. You know, nine locks. Have a big board? I got a big board. It, I mean it's a small board and an Excel sheet on my laptop, but it's a big board. Okay. And I'm keeping okay. track of it. I'm doing the dirty work, finding we're gonna do this on the pod. We're gonna do we'll talk we're about it on the pod. pod. Maybe Friday. But I want you to do it. I want you to like I want you to like share your screen on the pod so you can like move things around and stuff. That's what I want you to do. Like yeah, this team we'll, in. Yeah. This team on the bubble. Like yeah, I want some visual. We're gonna screen. have that, right? We're gonna have an okay. update. So we'll have the first round of bracketology locks on the bubble, first teams out. Exitology. And then it's exitology. Or we'll make it happen. Cross contrology. Cross colossology. Colossology. I like exitology. I don't know. Extology? No, okay. I don't know. Come up if you have a good name okay. for it. Send us an email or YouTube uh, comment. YouTube comment. Yes, yes. You say Gordon won't read this on the podcast, but um, one more question before we go. 
I mentioned Hobbs Kessler is going to NAU. Did you happen to get the reaction from a certain NAU coach about Hobbs's run? Oh uh, yeah, they were excited. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. They said, "I <laughs> hope he doesn't go pro." <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, yeah, that's good. Right. That's good. I mean, I think there's a there's like a unique fine line between college recruiting and like college coaching. You want to coach them. You obviously you want to coach them to the best they can be, but then there's mm -hmm. a moment if you coach them too well or they get too good, you don't get to benefit from the fruits of their labor because they, you know, go pro early. You, you look at Florida, Mike Holloway's like did a great job recruiting the Lyles brothers. He's like mm -hmm. a plus effort, but then Lyles got too good. And then he got nothing for in return for that. You know, you have an athlete right. goes pro early. You're like, ah, you know, so, I mean, he was making a joke, but he, they were, yeah, they were impressed. Uh, it's weird, right? A Michigan kid going to NAU. And then the year before that, Drew Bosley, a Wisconsin kid going to NAU. I feel like the mm -hmm. big 10 association is really not too pleased with Mike Smith's recruiting. Because they keep taking their Midwest kids and sending them out to Flagstaff, Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Uh, while you were giving us that response, I looked on our uh, YouTube page. We had one comment on our last podcast. It just said, why? So that's good. That's good. We're picking up steam. Yeah. This was the topic. Was it, was it the – it was probably the uh, Colin Quigley topic. Oh, that was a separate – uh, oh, okay. video to people didn't like, I don't know if people like that. Uh, cause I said we didn't have any actual answers for it. Um, <laughs> but no, the whole podcast itself, one person just put why, and I would respond with why not, yeah. why not, sir. Yeah. All right. Leave it there. Thanks so long for producing. Thanks everybody for listening and downloading. Remember you can email the show flow podcast at gmail.com, or you can check us out on YouTube. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday.